Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Press Row. Behind the scenes stories from the world of sports media. Press Row. Inside and interviews from around the sports world. Now, here's your host, Shona Siegel. I was telling the producer of the show the other day that uh, I fall into the same hole every year around this time. I find that uh, my interest level in sports waning post NHL trade deadline, where I listen and read to everything, and pre baseball season. I find the baseball offseason incredibly interesting, and yet I can't follow spring training because it just lasts forever. And this year it's worse because the Raptors season has been so uninteresting to me. So with that in mind, for this week's podcast, I decided to talk to somebody a little bit different and dig into my past and interview a former NHL referee. And there's so many interesting topics that I wanted to dive into, including uh, his experience, you know, answer what I hope are a lot of your questions as life as a linesman or referee are, and dive in a little bit into the Tim Donahue podcast, which examined an official in the NBA who got caught gambling on pro sports. So this is my interview with a longtime NHL referee named Vaughn Roddy. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. We'll see you after the show. Welcome back. Believe in the press row. Jonah here in uh, Seattle. And uh, it's odd, you know, we uh, we get to talk to some some cool people all the time. And some people I know and, and some people I don't know. And some people I've known for a long time. And as I said, there's people I've never met before. And I've had the fortune of knowing today's guest for numerous years and uh we met i'm I'm not exactly sure oh i know how we met my kids were playing hockey here in seattle both my my son and my daughter and uh we were told about a hockey school that took place after hockey season that was being run by a current nhl linesman that was something that was well worth taking and we are very pleased to be joined today in the press row by that NHL linesman who is now a former NHL linesman, and he is Vaughn Roddy. Vaughn, how are you? I'm good, Joan. I'm good. I'm just waiting around until uh, until we meet this uh, cool person you were just kind of <laughs> describing. So, uh, <laughs> no, I appreciate uh, appreciate the opportunity. Appreciate chatting with you. Always enjoyed our conversations and the, and the family. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to this. So, so for those who don't know. Uh, Vaughn is a, uh, a, C- a fellow Seattle area resident. I believe you're still in the, in the greater Seattle area. Um, yeah, yeah. We live in Lake Stevens. He is the, the, the product of Winnipeg, Manitoba. And he has the, uh, one of the distinct uh, tributes of having officiated 1,228 NHL games as a linesman. Uh, he did 19 games in the playoffs. He also, um, he did an an all-star game in Nashville in 2016. He did a heritage game in 2016 between Edmonton and Winnipeg. Man, like, there's not too many things that you didn't do in the NHL as a linesman. It was quite a career. Yeah, you know what, John, honestly, I think the only thing that really escaped me, uh, um, you know, was, uh, was playoff success, you know, um, and uh, and I, I probably have my just myself to to blame on that. Like really, at the end of the day, you know, when we kind of come through the program, you're working the American League, the the Western League, whatever league you're working at, to go to the NHL, they don't just take people. You just don't get there by accident. You kind of have to uh, you have to conquer the league that you're in. And you know, I was in the Western League. I conquered the league for you know five six years in a row. I worked the finals, Memorial Cup. And then, then you get hired to the NHL. I was very lucky. I got uh, playoffs early my second year, which is really kind of unheard of. And then, uh, you know, I, I ran into a little bit of uh, the injury bug and it kind of derailed a lot of playoff success for me. So the one thing that I really, you know, if I look back on it and, and think to myself, geez, if I have one regret, 
it's that I never got a chance to, you know, work a Stanley Cup final. I, I worked a lot of other things, a lot of great assignments, but that is the one thing that eludes me. And, uh, and you know, it's going to gnaw on me for a long time, probably. I don't know if I'll ever, if I'll ever get over it because you obviously, you know, you, no matter what you do, you want to be the best in your business. And, and when the boss tells you that you're not one of the final four, um, you know, you have to go back to the drawing board and work harder. So it's no different than these kids when, when they came to our camps, you know, it's, uh, everybody has to improve uh, and it's, uh, and it's, and it's constant work. So we all know, especially in this digital world, we know a ton about players, um, you know, growing up watching kids in the seventies, well, I didn't grow up in the seventies, but in the eighties, nineties and on, there was a lot more mystery around players, but certainly today we know a lot more about players. We don't really know a ton about referees and, or just let's call it officials. Is it common? Like, am I stupid for saying that all officials and all is a dangerous word, but that all officials are hockey fans? I mean, does everyone love the game that does the job? Oh, for sure. I think, uh, we all grow up, uh, for the most part. Um, you know, we, we've played the game. We've realized at an early age that, uh, we don't have that special skill that's going to make us, you know, um, uh, that's going to make us superstars. Uh, but we all played back lane hockey. We all played knee hockey. We all played hockey growing up. So we're all fans of the game. Um, and then you realize, you know, everybody's got their own career path. Some guys uh, go to university, referee on the side. Other guys, um, you know, uh, focus solely on, on, on refereeing. Whatever path you take, um, you, you have to be a fan of the game because, uh, you know, um, the road is a hard road. Um, there's not a lot of scouts, per se, from, from the NHL's perspective. There's, there's nine, there's probably 85,000 officials in North America, and there's 34 jobs in the world. So it's, uh, it's a difficult occupation to get to. Uh, you got to have uh, patience. Uh, you got to have uh, perseverance. And, uh, and I think the, the third thing is you have to have a passion for the sport. So first question is, I understand that your dad wasn't thrilled with the notion of you going down the path. Why was that? Yeah, well, you know, like every parent, I think my dad uh, was a creature of habit. You know, he uh, was married to the same lady for 56 years, um, worked at the same job for 36 years there wasn't a lot of change in his life, you know? And, uh, and at the time, uh, you know, his youngest son had a, uh, had a pretty good job. I was, I was a supervisor of site operations for the Forks Renewal Corporation. So I was probably making at the time, you know, 15 to $18,000 a year more than he was. He was raising a family. I was living in his, you know, upstairs room. <laughs> and, uh, and he just kind of thought like, why would you do this? You know, like, what are the opportunities? What are the chances of, of you moving to not just a different province, but, you know, you're moving to a different country and, uh, and you're going to chase this dream, like 34 jobs. What, what's the chance son, when you have uh, such a great thing going? So he was, um, I don't, he was more protective, I think, than, than, than anything, but uh, he didn't really think it was a great idea. <laughs> no, he didn't support it at first. So, so help me with the path because I, I would imagine that most people that are listening to this, have either played as a kid in at least a house league or as a parent have been in a house league arena and let's just start with house league and there's there's other kids if you will officiating what is that path so so listen you you look at the nhl and, and we can all joke and and make and laugh and say that we hate the officials but you have to admire irrespective of what you think of the job they do on the ice, that they are the best at what they do and they are in phenomenal shape. So yeah. how, how does somebody go from, you know, a 14, 15, 16 year old kid, you know, at the local arena all the way up to the end? Like, what does that path look like? How does that happen? Well, I think first of all, you have to, you, you have to love the game and, uh, and, and you have to make sure that, uh, you know, that the path is for you, you know, um, you, uh, like I've been involved in youth sports for a long time and, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but the biggest issue that we face in, 
in in youth sports as parents. I mean, oh, there's uh, no question. Yeah, they 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 ruin it. Uh, they ruin it for a lot of times their own children, uh, and they ruin it for uh, the officials. Um, they they uh, in a lot of situations they don't really serve the game, and uh, and that's too bad. But but I think at the end of the day, their heart is in the right place. Um, there just needs to be a little bit more, you know, education on on their behalf. I think uh, a lot of people never played the game. Um, you know, watch it on TV and they think they're experts and that's kind of how it is with officiating. It's really easy to, uh, I've done some supervising now for the Western hockey league. They created a spot for me when I retired, uh, to come and, um, supervise the young officials that are coming through the WHL. And I can tell you that the game is a lot easier to officiate when I have a video replay in front of me or, uh, or I'm watching from the stands when it's not happening at, you know, at, uh, hundred miles an hour, everybody's an expert. So, and I, and I think, you know, through the path there, there, that for us anyway, for me, it's changed a little bit now, but for me, I, I, you know, obviously I played uh, to a certain level, uh, realized that uh, hockey wasn't really going to be for me to make it to the NHL, even though I thought I was a pretty good player. Um, I had to do a different, uh, I had to take a different Avenue if I wanted to make it to the national hockey league. Um, I started refereeing young kids, six and seven years old, uh, on the weekends. So when my buddies would be like, uh, my buddies would be, um, you know, coming back from the bar, heading out to the bar, wanting to plan a trip for, for the weekend to, to go skiing or whatever. I, I had to say, you know what? No, I, I have things I have to do commitments I have to make. So you have to be committed. Um, I started, like I said, with six and seven year olds, I advanced to uh, junior hockey, then from junior hockey, went to the Western Hockey League. The Western Hockey League at that time had a full-time position. There was five full-time jobs. There was 300 of us that vied for, for this full-time job. Um, How political is time, it? How political is that? Uh, you know what? It's uh, the great thing about officiating is is it's not political. They uh, they take it as um, like really it's based on ability. It. No one gives, no one cares if uh, you're riding to the rink. It's not like playing, you know, when, when, when you are, you're making a team, trying out for a team. We've all been there. You know, little Johnny is carpooling with uh, the coach's son. And all of a sudden he might not be the best player. She might not be the best player, but she's getting a ride. So can't really hurt that friendship. All of a sudden that kid becomes part of the team, even though that individual might not be the best, most skilled player. It doesn't really work that way in officiating. In officiating, it's not you, you know, uh, versus your teammate. It's you versus you. So um, I think the great thing about that is skill set is uh, is singular, and and they look at they look at the ability of that individual, and they think, well, you know what? We feel that this guy or this girl can move on, and we're going to advance them. What, and uh, and you what, get certain opportunities. Oh, sorry. Yeah, what 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 do sorry. you so? For the layperson, what does the skill set mean? Is it athletic ability? Is it they've got the right the right attitude? Like they can manage the game? Like what does that mean? Oh, that's a great question, and I think that encompasses everything. You have to be physically fit. You have to be able to skate. You have to be a tremendous communicator. I think as an official, if this is what you want to do as a career path, uh, you have to be humble. You have to realize. You know, when you mess up and, and, uh, and you know, uh, the defecation is going to hit the rotating oscillator. You have to make sure that, <laughs> that, uh, that, you've got, uh, that you've got all your ducks in a row. And I'll tell you, as a 14-year-old, 15-year-old kid, when you're speaking to an adult, a coach, and he's angered or she's angered, and you have to calm the situation down, it creates a lot of, um, it creates a certain type of skill set, I think. And, uh, and you have to have that as well. So there's a lot of things that encompass a great official. Um, but I think at the end of the day, like I said, you know, we serve the game. We have to make sure that uh, we're not above the game, um, but we're definitely part of it. So there used to be the old adage that, oh, if you've seen a referee or if you, if you didn't see a referee, it was a great game. Well, Jonah, that's not how it is, actually. It is, uh, it is um, if you see a referee and that official's not keeping the game safe and making the tough call, uh, he's doing the game a disservice. So uh, the game has changed a little bit. And, uh, and, and really the skill set of the officials, 
the players they've all developed. Uh, I wouldn't like to be trying to make it to the NHL now. I mean, I see a lot of our young guys, they have great skill sets, you know, and, uh, and as the players as well, the game's gotten better. The game's gotten faster. Um, you know, the participants, they've all improved. The officials have improved as well. So you just continue, not just, don't get me wrong. So, so you work your way up level by level. Do you get recruited? Do you need a mentor or do you just keep pursuing it? I, I'm intrigued. Yeah, it's a great question. Because, yeah. because as, because so as when a player, I was, we know the route, right? Yeah, no, 100%. So what happens is the, in the officiating aspect, and, what, and I can only speak to what happened to us, like for me at my time, was I was a full-time guy in the Western League. There was five of us. There was five full-time guys in the American League, five full-time guys in the International League, five in the Q, and five in the Ontario League. That's how it worked. So the NHL didn't send out their scouts to go and supervise, you know, um, 90,000 officials. They said, hey, listen, we have 35 of the top officials in North America, and we're going to grab our guys out of this group. So first of all, you had to make it to one of those full-time jobs in that league which was tough in itself and then from there at the time guys weren't quitting like the nhl players um they make a lot of money now like the officials i mean you know you'll work 20 years uh you know you'll make over 11 million dollars that's a lot of money so so the wage is a great wage um it wasn't that way back then so guys guys would stay and work you'd almost want you know, you almost have to get your legs or your skates cut off for you to retire because the money back then wasn't great. Right. So you had to, as an official for me coming up, I had to make sure that I was at the top of my game. Um, when, when the opportunity presented itself and by the top of my game means I had to be working our finals. I had to be working the Memorial cup. I had to put myself in the best possible position. So when a job came available, uh, and, uh, Randy Mitten decided to retire, where Sweden Ox uh, unfortunately got released and there was one job available that Vaughn Rohde's name was lucky enough to be first on that list of the guys that they had supervised and I was going to get the job. And that's kind of how it worked. It's different now. Um, you know, the scouting system for officials is tremendous and, uh, and they do a great job. So, but back in the day, you know, that's 25 years ago. It wasn't that way. You know, you, uh, they didn't send guys out to go and scout all over North America. What they did was they picked out of that group of 30. So you had to make sure that you were on your game when your opportunity presented itself back then. So, so you are saying then that if, a, if, a, if, if somebody coming up the ranks was working a triple a game of 16 year olds, it is possible that somebody from call it the U S college ranks or from junior could see that kid and say, Hey, you'd be great to move up to the next level. We want you to come to camp and try out that, that, that does occur. 100%. That's exactly how it happens now. And, uh, and Kevin Minch runs, uh, he's the director of officiating for the Western hockey league. He's a great friend of mine. And Kevin, um, you know, he's done this job tremendously for a long time. And we're lucky here uh, in Seattle and out west because um, his scouting uh, is is bang on. He goes to plenty of AAA games, plenty of AA games. And he's always kind of scouring uh, the arenas, um, you know, for the next young guy or young girl who's going to be given an opportunity. So that's kind of what we say, you know, to young officials. Like, just because it's Saturday morning at 9 a.m. and you're working, you know, uh, a midget house game at OVA work that game exactly like you would if it was the playoff game in front of the league president work that game and give the game and the participants the respect it deserves so you're working your best because you never know who's going to be in the building you never know when your opportunity is going to come and again we we, we owe it to the game you know to, to be our best all right so we've talked enough about the development, which I think is really, really interesting. And to hear that there is an opportunity and a development cycle, if you will, for young people to do it. It is important, right? Because again, oh, so all, all, kid, all, all kidding aside, 
no matter what the fans think and say, we are reminded that we do have the best available at the NHL and they do need to come from somewhere. So let's, let's move on to some of the, the other stuff. One question. Yeah. Do you, I, I understand that there's high level female officials working their way through the minor leagues. Do you think we'll get a female official calling NHL games, regular NHL games soon? Well, I hope so. Um, I think it's, uh, I think it's important for the development of the league. Uh, the game's changed, you know. Um, back in the day when we first started, would I think it would be a safe place for, you know, a young lady to be on the ice and, and to be kind of privy to some of the stuff that was said and the actions that happened? Uh, you know, I, I don't want to get cancelled here with, you know, cancel culture, but it would be really hard for me to say, yeah, that would be a good place for her. And I have to view it as I wouldn't let my daughter be out there. I wouldn't think it would be a safe place for her. And, uh, and therefore, I, I don't know if back in the day it would have been a safe place for, for, for any female. Um, not that they can't do the job, but, but it was a different, different animal back then. Um, the game has changed. Fighting is down. Uh, we don't have any more brawling. Um, Communication now is kind of the key to success. Um, if you tell my wife or ask her, she thinks she's the greatest communicator in the world. So, uh, you know, she would be a, you know, a fantastic communicator out on the ice. And I think a lot of times um, that's what we need. You know, um, the bully doesn't uh, get his way anymore in, in any league. No one's afraid of anybody. You can't bully people anymore. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an ugly tactic. And, uh, and one, thankfully, we've got away from in our game. So, so, so do just, I think uh, a female would be great? Yes. And I think, uh, I think it's probably a little bit long overdue now. So when you say that you wouldn't let your daughter do it, to remind everyone, Vaughn's last game was last season. So yeah. he's, he's, he's fresh. So you did over a thousand games. So your first year was a while ago, respectfully. Um, right. Yeah. Is, was the concern well, the game has changed in 22 years? No, that's why I'm asking. So, is it, I yeah. want to understand what you said. Is the concern yeah. is the concern for your daughter and daughters everywhere? Is the concern yeah. more on the physical side or the vis or the verbal abuse or both? Which one? Which one would concern you more? Well, I think the verbal abuse is really you know non-existent. They 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 yell and scream. Um, I can give them a penalty. So could she, you know, but when there's three or four people battling and they're 225 plus pound plus plus pounds and there's skate blades and, and, and blood and, and violence, you know, around you. Um, and, and situations where, you know, skates could come up and they don't really care. They, they want to prove a point back in the day, there was so much brawling. Uh, the game had, the game had violence. It doesn't have violence anymore. Um, now it's a skilled kind of a hockey game. It's a, it's a, it's a safer game to, to, you know, to be out on the ice with. The game has changed. It just, it just has. And, uh, you know, 15 years ago, I know I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't feel safe for her being out there. 10 years ago, it started to change. And, and I think now it, it's become a safer environment for, for people. And, uh, so, you know, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm trying to say is back then they didn't care. You know, if, uh, if Bob Probert, not that he was a bad guy, but if he was mad at somebody, good luck trying to get him off someone, you know, it was a, it was a violent altercation and there was things that happened in there that nobody wanted to see, be privy to, um, not, not the place for, you know, not, not the place at that time for, for uh for individuals that you know maybe for whatever reason just no so what you're physically so, as, as strong as as as, right. as somebody on the ice when there's violence in, involved so what you're saying is as the game has evolved more into a priority of skill as fighting and the physical aspect has become deprioritized you think that has opened the window at the same time for a more skilled official as well and 100%. where you'd be less concerned about, I don't know, I don't remember the numbers, but fighting clearly was much more predominant in the Probert, Kosher, 
Wendell Clark, for sure, Nick Kiprios yeah, era than it is today. Very so, but, yeah. okay. So yeah. it's not, and, and so, I think that's a great. Oh, sorry. So it's not so much what's coming out of the players' ears, out of the players' mouths, excuse me, as much as it is the physical. The physical requirement then would be more concerning than, you know, people hearing yeah. what they're saying. I, I, I just watched the Chris Rock. Uh, you know, a uh, little uh, Netflix video the other fantastic. day. It was kind of cute. It was said, fantastic. It was great. Yeah, it was. And he actually said in there, you know, people say words hurt, but, you know, the slap in the face, the punch in the face that I took, that actually <laughs> hurt. <laughs> and I kind of chuckled to myself because people always say to me, oh, you know, these guys, they say so much to you. No, they really don't. They say it's like anything. You get treated how you allow yourself to be treated. I didn't really allow people to yell and scream at me. You know, I wasn't, there wasn't a whole bunch of verbal abuse in, in games that I officiated. I didn't like it. You know, I didn't allow it. I, I used to say to players, hey, listen, guys, three people in the world allowed to yell at me. My wife, my mom, and my dad. You didn't give birth to me. I'm not sleeping with you. Please <laughs> knock it off. And, and then I would give them a penalty. And it was just as simple as that. And that's kind of how, that's kind of how you, you know, earned your stripes. You had to earn their respect because, like I said, the game, it, it was filled with bullies back then. And that's what they knew. Um, so you had to either, you know, you had to either stand up or stand aside. And, uh, and that's really at the end of the day, how that game was played back in the day. What does the league tell you guys to do when a fight starts? Are, are you told to break it up ASAP? No, no. I mean, there is, you know, the, sometimes as officials and you know, you've watched enough hockey to know that we need a good fight. Everybody thinks they're a big hero. Everybody thinks they're tough. Everybody's got lots to say until somebody says to you, Hey Jonah, I'm going to punch a hole in your head in front of 18,000 people. Now you've either got to kind of shit or get off the pot. You know, I mean, really at the end of the day, that's kind of how it rolls. You either, you either step up or you go, man, okay, I'm not going to play like that anymore. And, and that's kind of how it, it, it works. So sometimes as officials, we need a good fight. Sometimes as officials, when guys are running around and, and they're acting the fool, and somebody steps over the boards, and I know that that guy's the enforcer, he calms everything down. You can give somebody a two-minute penalty. You can give them a five-minute penalty. That doesn't change anything. But when someone's going to be, you know, called to the carpet and maybe, you know, given a licking in front of 20,000 people and 4, 4 million people that are watching on TV, when, when that comes and they're really thinking about that, well, it... it separates the 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 pretenders from you know from the individuals who actually can 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 play the game you know and uh there's a certain there's a certain skill set that it takes to fight uh in the national hockey league you look at you know ryan reeves um not too many guys want to take him on and i don't blame them i mean he's a beast you know he re- he really but you know what another Winnipeg kid too, by the way, he's a really, really nice young man, you know, respectful kid. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, he's got a job to do, making a lot of money to do that job. Um, and he's not somebody to be messed with. And when he steps over the boards, he does us a service. He doesn't do us a disservice. He, uh, he's respectful. When I tap him, you know, I wouldn't be able to physically control that guy. You know, he probably weighs 225 pounds. He's just a machine. He wanted to get through a 54-year-old man. He probably could, uh, but there's enough respect, and he realizes, hey, listen, um, you know, uh, I've got to respect the game and the officials, and I've got to calm down a little bit. But he's still got a job to do, and when he steps over the boards, it makes our job way easier because it calms everybody on the ice down. Nobody wants to get beat up by him or anybody else. So the other night, I'm not sure I'm sure you saw it, uh, Jordan Bennington and Marc-Andre Fleury, two goalies were about to go at it but one of your former yeah. colleagues wouldn't let that happen. A- any idea why, why it was stopped? Yeah. In a situation like that, I think like uh, you don't really want, like he's kind of making, they're making a little bit of a mockery of the game at that point, you know, goalie fights happen. Um, but, you know, we haven't really seen one in about five years really. Uh, and it's not, it's not something that, you know, that, that people want to see, you know, yeah, maybe it's exciting and, and maybe, maybe some people do want to see it. Maybe they do. But at the end of the day, I can tell you that Minnesota is going to go in the playoffs um, and St. Louis isn't. Uh, it would be really 
a lousy officiating move if we allowed uh, Marc-Andre Fleury to break his hand on Jordan Bennington's chin or head or if he takes a concussion and now he's out of the game for, you know, three weeks, four weeks, a month. Really, at the end of the day, as officials, we have to take that into consideration. And I'm sure that's what that young man did that day by not letting him fight. Lots goes on behind these things of a game that people don't even realize, honestly. Like what? Give us an example. Well, like that. Like that right there. You know, people were like, oh, why didn't you let him fight? Well, why didn't you let him fight? Because if he broke his hand and he was out for eight weeks, the team would be in disarray. Uh, The fan base would be frustrated. And as an official, I know one team's going to playoffs and one's not. So one team is trying to create situations, trying to be aggressive. I mean, it wasn't Marc-Andre Fleury that was starting that. It was, it was Jordan that was starting that. His team's not going to the playoffs. Um, you know, so he's got nothing to lose. He's playing for next year. If he beats up and, and, and hurts you know, a goalie who's going to be starting in the first round of the playoffs, that's not good for the game. And, and as, you know, as, as keepers of the game, we have to know that. Like, if they're both going to the playoffs and they both want to fight, that's a different story. But when one team's not and one team is, hey, we, 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 we know enough about the game to make sure that player safety is paramount. And is that something you guys talk about before a game? Like, is that an active discussion or that's just known? No, that's an absolute act, active discussion. It's so funny, you know, um, I've had people, friends of mine, my, my family, my brothers, you know, come into the dressing room and they hear us discuss things between periods or, you know, how we get prepared for the game. And they don't even know because it's, it's not something that's ever broadcast, but we do a, we do a, a, a pregame uh, briefing. We do a postgame debriefing on how we did, uh, on what we could have done better. Um, you know, on what we need to improve on. We have supervisors that are at the game. They're telling us constantly, Hey, listen, you got to do this a little differently. Uh, this could have been handled a little differently, this situation here. So you're constantly learning, you know, uh, but at the end of the game or at the end of the day, there's lots that goes on uh, before a game starts kind of right around breakfast where we all meet for breakfast. Cause you know, usually we're all traveling from different centers into that center. So we meet for meet for breakfast, uh, have a little conversation with a walk, go for lunch, talk about uh, the last time these two teams played, um, if there was any violence, if there was any situations that we need to be aware of. Uh, go back to your room, kind of get prepared as you would as a professional athlete on your own. You know, you might have a nap, you might go for a, you know, a workout, you might do whatever. Wake up at uh, 3.30, iron your shirt, put your suit on, and uh, you got to get ready to go to work. And, and get ready to go to work means you have to be prepared for, for anything, you know, especially at that level. So you worked pre-instant replay, and then you worked in the current era of instant replay. Has it helped the game? Has it hurt the game? Oh, I think uh, nobody wants to see uh, the games involved, like we talked about, and I don't think anybody really wants to see pucks go in the net um, or penalties assessed that aren't assessed, you know, or that aren't penalties or that aren't goals. We don't want to see it. You know, the players don't want to see it. The fans certainly don't want to see it. So it's important to make sure that we get the call right. Um, You know, at the end of the day, I think when I look at how – um, how video replay has helped uh, or hindered the game, I think it's, it's done a great job for it. Uh, I think uh, a lot of situations are, are corrected. Um, and, 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 you know, mistakes still happen, unfortunately. The game's played at a high rate of speed. But uh, I think they're, they're minimized. And I think video replay has really, uh, has really helped the game. Um, it's cleaned up some stuff too. But I think it's really uh, eliminated a lot of the errors. Not to say they still don't happen, but it has really, uh, like when I'm standing on the line, some guy comes over the line and I miss an offside and that puck goes in. I feel bad. You know, I feel like I've let the game down and, uh, and nobody's more professional than, than, you know, nobody has to tell you when you're doing a bad job at work. I can promise you nobody has to tell me I'm doing a bad job at work either. I very well aware when I make a mistake and, uh, and I don't want to make those mistakes. I, I sat in the sta- in the stands and, you know, when I was a young guy with my dad spending at the time $10, $15, $12 on a ticket, he was a fan of the Winnipeg Jets. And when the officials made a mistake and it cost that team, that was a lot of hours at CNR that he had to work to, to get to that building and, 
And, uh, and if we made a mistake and it affected him or it affected his team, that stuck with me a little bit. And, uh, and I don't want to be responsible for those mistakes. And, um, video replay helps me minimize those. It's, it's, uh, it's all the best for the game. And do you like the, so do you like the yeah. idea that the answer is coming from, it could be as far as 5,000 miles away. Like, do you like that they put on a headset and they're talking to somebody who's far away? Would you rather the decision be well, made? Do you like the process? A, yeah, a lot of times um, from video from video review, what happens is the individuals that are inside that building are ex-NHL officials. Um, so they're back in Toronto. So they understand the thought process of what's going on. They understand of what's happening on the ice. Uh, do I like the process? Yes, I do. I, I think it, it, uh, it actually takes um, the human element out of it. When you're on the ice and you're, you know, like I said, in front of 18,000 people, the last thing uh, that you, you know, want to be rolling around and being excited about is being wrong. Okay. You, you don't want to be wrong. Everybody wants to be right. Um, yes, mistakes happen, but at, at the end of the day, everybody puts their pants on to go to work and they want to be correct. So when you are proven um, by video review that, that it is wrong, um, it should be out of your hands. It should be somebody else that is, uh, that is watching, you know, we, we probably have six or seven different angles on every goal and, and, you know, the video in-house one that you're looking at on this little 12 inch monitor down in the penalty box only shows you so much. The pixels, when, when you open up the screen, uh, they get a little bit distorted. So when these people are looking at it in HDTV, you know, back in Toronto, that's, they've, they, you know, that building or that, that room's probably worth, I don't know, $25 million with all the uh, production equipment that they have in there. If they can slow it down and see what's right and it serves the game, then, then more power to them. Banter on the ice. <laughs> that's a great question. Everybody wants to hear what happens inside the glass until they actually hear what happens inside the glass. And, uh, and that's, uh, that is a, a real true and funny statement. You know, um, everybody wants to hear, uh, you know, Oh, what, what did this guy say to him? What did this guy say to them? I can promise you, you don't want to hear it. And, uh, there would be, uh, there would be people trying to cancel everybody. If, uh, if, um, if stuff that was said inside that glass was, uh, was privy to everybody's ears. Um, times have changed. The culture's changed a little bit. And, uh, you know, um, years ago you were able to say a few things and you're not able to say them now. And, uh, and when you're in the heat of the moment, you shouldn't be, um, you shouldn't be judged by, you know, by what you say in your worst moment. If we were all judged by what we said in our worst moment was caught on camera and caught on air, it would be a pretty sad state of affairs for the world. Uh, and that's kind of what they do sometimes, you know, they, you say something and, and, uh, and maybe it wasn't even meant that way, but, uh, somebody else, you know, interprets it that way. And now you have to explain. And, and I don't think that's fair. And I don't think that's right. You know, and, uh, um, uh, I, I, I think, I, I think that sometimes what, what happens inside the game should stay inside the game, honestly. So has it, evolved the same way physical play has evolved into skill and that the banter has the the tone if you will has evolved as well yeah great question yeah um for sure it has uh it has um definitely diminished from from what used to be said and the actions that used to be on the ice they've 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 definitely softened um but at the end of the day, though, you know, you offend one person, that one person makes an issue of it. And all of a sudden now you have to explain, um, you know, what your actions were when you were exhausted, tired. You just got slashed in the back of the leg, um, maybe have a bone chip and, and uh, you know, no one knows about it. They haven't done an MRI yet. and You're pissed off and you want to, you know, you want to say something to somebody. Um, and now all of a sudden, you know, somebody gets wind of that or is privy to that. Um, you know, there's lots of things that happen inside that game that, that are, that, that people shouldn't hear. And, uh, has it gotten better as, has, has, have they cleaned up their act? I think society as a whole has cleaned up their act. Um, you know, but there's still things that are said that, uh, that are frankly offside and, um, and, and not allowed and, uh, and, you know, probably shouldn't really be said. And I would rather, 
I would rather deal with that. If somebody said something um, or had an action on the ice, I would rather take care of that and say, hey, listen, you know what? That's unacceptable. I'm going to give you a penalty. Uh, you can't do that. But uh, then I know that I'm professional enough that I'm not going to blab it to everybody and their dog. And this young man is not going to lose his career over, over a bad choice. And, uh, and, I, and I think that's fair. That's the way things should be handled um, like adults. You know, um, I shouldn't be I shouldn't be going to the media after with a video recording of somebody going, oh, look what he said. And now he needs to explain himself. Uh, that's not that's not how I grew up. And, and uh, that's not any part of uh, the world that I want to you know, be officiating and be officiating in. Right. So so basically what you're saying is, if I'm hearing you correctly, that for the most part, like hopefully the world we all live in. The majority of it's been cleaned up. There are exceptions to that rule. And yes, bleep does happen. And, and you know, as it does in all of our everyday lives, you know, if somebody rear ends you and you jump out of the car, you may say something that you're going to regret. In the same way, if somebody loses control of their stick and opens up somebody's face for 30 stitches, he may say something that he would regret and otherwise not prefer to say. And obviously I'm going to extremes here, but is that what you're saying? That for, the, truth, for, for the most yeah. part, it, it's been cleaned up. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Yep. 100% that, uh, you know, for the most part, they don't use, uh, you know, um, you know, there's no racial overtones. I don't hear any of that stuff anymore. Like that's not, that's not what we hear, you know? Um, but that's still not to say that I don't know what's going to offend you. You know, like, no, no, we're, sure. we're, we're, no, no, I got we're, it. And I don't know what's going to offend somebody else. And, right. and, uh, I shouldn't, uh, these players shouldn't have to be, um, you know, uh, you're going to work every day and yep. you're sitting in on a podcast and, yep. and your day is probably a lot less stressful than theirs is. <laughs> and, uh, you, Nobody know, cares uh, what you I have say. time to, well, no, that's not true. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at your following right now and, uh, I'm going to ask for an <laughs> autograph when we're done with this, but, um, uh, but it's uh, it, it, your day is a little different. You have time to think. You know, you have an edit button. You can probably stop the recording. I mean, there's things that you can do when you're on the ice. We don't have that. They don't have that luxury, and so, uh, and they shouldn't be punished if they make a mistake. I don't. So, think. so my question though is, if listen, part of I'm gonna guess, part of what used to go on, and the reason that people used to say it, was for effect to get under somebody's skin. It probably wasn't, I hate to say it, and I'm not excusing it, but it wasn't to offend as much as it was to agitate and to piss somebody off. How far can I take this until somebody reacts, right? So yeah, it's as if they were using their stick to tap them, and they were using words to tap them. And the more vulgar, the more offensive I got, at some point, I'm going to say something that's going to really tick them off, that's going to get a result. So my question is, if, yeah. if, if, if the words have cleaned up, have they stopped talking or would, be, would we still be surprised as to how much talking is going on between the glass? Yeah, you would. Uh, I think the, the, the words have cleaned up um, and there is uh, there's probably less, uh, um, you know, real cutting uh, conversation but it still happens. And, uh, and it does, uh, it, 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 it does, it does happen. And, uh, and there might not be the racial overtones, uh, that maybe, you know, that, that, that there once was, there might not be the, you know, the, the, uh, sexual comments that there, that there, that there once was, um, you know, Archie Bunker used to be on the air and, uh, and, and now thank God he's not. And, uh, so, so a lot of things have cleaned up over the course of the years. Uh, hockey is is um, is in the same boat. It's cleaned up as well. Um, but there's still uh, you know there's still people that uh, that that yeah, you know that that are racist out there, and there's still people that that are are you know disrespectful, and there's still people that are homophobic, and and uh, and maybe not so much in the NHL. You don't hear it too much. Um, but if someone does say you know if somebody does you know, throw out a, um, a comment. I, I still think for the most part that individual's heart is in the right place. And I just think, uh, having a microphone in there is just not something that anybody needs to, uh, to have happen. I can actually speak to that guy. We can give him a penalty. 
Um, they're probably professional enough to go over to that individual and apologize, you know, God help him. He should, uh, uh, but he doesn't need to be paying for it with his career, uh, down the road. I'm not a firm believer in that. So, uh, you know, I think the question was, has the game cleaned up? Yes, it has. Uh, do we still have a ways to go? Yes, we do. Are are there guys that, that are colorful in their commentary on the ice that you really enjoyed listening to them yapping? Um, yeah, you know what? I mean, some guys are funny, you know, like a lot of guys, uh, uh, a lot of guys didn't really like Sean Avery and Sean Avery said some things that were over the wall, you know, over the top. There was no question about it, but, but he's a funny guy, you know, uh, Sheldon Saray was a funny guy. Um, you know, I remember doing a game one time and, and, uh, Drew Doughty, who was a great player. Um, you know, he's changed his game, but, and, and he's still a great player, but at the time he, uh, uh, you know, he had a little bit of a round face. I don't know if he was a little heavy or, or maybe just, you know, uh, maybe he didn't buy into the fitness aspect of what it took to be in the National Hockey League at the time. But I remember, I remember Sheldon Saray saying to him one time we were on the ice, he's like, we had just finished Thanksgiving break. And he's like, uh, hey, Drew, uh, you're supposed to have a couple of slices of the turkey, not the whole bird. <laughs> and, you know, that's funny. I mean, like th- that kind of stuff is funny. I don't care what anyone says, you know, uh-huh. yeah. and uh, no one's fat shaming anybody. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, yeah. You know, maybe people could take it that way. But at the end of the day, um, you know, there's some cute quips out there, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, and you got to chuckle every once in a while. Sometimes they're directed at you, too, you know. <laughs> so the attack if you will the post-game attack on officials or in-game attack on officials which result in fines seems to have gotten has heightened with coaches any any response to that well i i i I seen one situation the other day that uh you know i don't really know the whole ins and outs i seen the play uh there was a san jose uh coach that kind of lost it on a guy and, and uh, that guy happens to be a great friend of mine. So, so I'm, I'm viewing it probably with, you know, different, uh, a different lens, you know, um, the word fan comes from fanatic originally. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I take really what they say with a grain of salt, but I'm looking at that situation as, uh, as a professional coach who's in charge of young men. Um, and, uh, and he's a leader of that group. And I think if you were to ask him, um, he would be really embarrassed with his actions that day. You're not going to intimidate. Um, you're not going to uh, intimidate Gord Dwyer. I can promise you. And by swearing at him and and uh, you know um, calling him names, whatever. I I I think that that's not that coach's character. And uh, and if he had it all over to do again, he probably uh, would react a different way. It's just not professional. It's not uh, conducive to uh, uh, to any sportsmanship. And I can promise you, um, he's not going to uh, change Gordy Dwyer's uh, outlook on uh, if San Jose uh, is deserving of a penalty or not. And 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 I think that um, you know if, if if the NHL decides, and I think they did, uh, you know, to fine him and punish him, um, you know, he should be. And uh, just like, um, you know, just like if we make a mistake, people always say to us, well, there's no accountability for officials. Well, that's untrue. You make a mistake, we get fined. Uh, they don't broadcast that, but, but we do. Um, we also miss playoffs. We miss assignments. Uh, you know, playoffs might be uh, thirty or $40,000 for a round of playoffs. And if you're not doing your job, you miss that times three or four playoff rounds in a year. That's a significant amount of money. So so everybody's accountable. And, uh, you know, we had an official a few years ago that, uh, that made a comment on the ice. And, and um, even though that's probably not what he was trying to say, he did, he did make a comment that was, um, that was offside and, uh, and he shouldn't have said. Um, I think if you officiated at any high level, you kind of knew what he was talking about. But uh, he definitely... Uh, he definitely um, overstepped the line and, uh, and, and should not have said what he said. And, and, you know, he, in essence, got fired. And uh, so there's accountability everywhere. Do I expect that San Jose coach to be fired? No, um, but I expect him to be a pro. All right. I have a difficult question, then a couple very quick follow-ups. Difficult question. I, I am really intrigued with the name 
Tim Donahue, um, the podcast about him, and then there's a Netflix show about him. Those that don't know the name, he was the NBA referee who uh, was incarcerated with some others for uh, allegedly fixing games. I think he was incarcerated for other reasons, but a lot of light shined on him for you know, being involved with the mob and betting on games that betting on NBA games. Now, depending on what you believe, he always, the, the, the findings were never that he bet on games that he officiated. Uh, I guess my first question, the, the easiest one is, are you familiar with the story, Vaughn? Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody who's ever officiated is, uh, is familiar with, uh, with that story. I think it put a, you know, put a black eye on, uh, on officiating at all levels. Um, uh, there's no excuse, uh, at all for, for what Tim did. You, you've got to hold yourself, uh, above the law. You got to hold yourself, uh, uh, accountable. Um, you know, you try to be smart enough to put yourself in situations that people aren't going to think you're beyond reproach. I mean, you know, you, you have to make sure that, uh, you know, if there's a line, you hold yourself above it. And, and that's just kind of how it is. So that's, there's that, that, that should kind of, that should just come with the job that comes with the territory. And I, uh, he was punished. Um, you know, but I, I, you know, I, I believe he, uh, he lost his son, um, to suicide mm-hmm. and, uh, and I don't think there's any more punishment more than that. So I think he's paid his price too, you know, and, uh, um, but it is a, it is a sad, sad story. And, uh, and one um, that I don't think anybody wants repeated, you know. So what I found interesting, I, I found the whole thing fascinating. Uh, what I found really interesting was on the podcast, which I highly recommend people find and listen to. He does say that, and, and so do the podcast hosts, that if you wanted to fix a game, uh, NBA basketball is the one to do it. Uh, and getting to a referee to do it just because of how easy manipulating calls would be, you know, what's a travel, you know, those calls are so subjective. Um, That's not the case in hockey, right? What is offside? What is icing is not so easy. Right. I'm I'm curious. You know, a slash is a slash and, you know, and a, and a, sorry, sorry, a slash is a slash. If I think if I'm, if I'm listening to the question, um, you know, we have camera angles. We have, uh, um, you know, there's, there's, there's cameras in NBA. There's cameras in the National Hockey League. Um, you know, I, I, I would hope uh, that, you know, we, I, I know the game of hockey. Um, you know, if I, I have to explain my calls. Like if I, you know, if there becomes a, you know, an erroneous call, um, I, I've, I've got a, I've, I've got a. I've got to be able to explain my situation. My, my boss wants to know why I did that. And, um, and I think it's important, you know, I, I think it's important to make sure that, uh, that you have an explanation as to why you did it. Is there things that happen sometimes where, where you look at it and go, Jesus, I, I, you know, I wish I could have done that a little differently or should have handled that situation a little bit differently. Well, 100%, you know, everybody's human. But, but I think in, in, in this situation, you know, we used to say all the time, you know, the eye in the sky doesn't lie. And, uh, and, and I would, uh, I wouldn't have a, I wouldn't have a job. I would be back at the city of Winnipeg, uh, with the Forks Renewal Corporation in an awful hurry. If, uh, you know, there were seven or eight calls that I couldn't explain. And, um, unfortunately, you know, maybe basketball is an easier sport to, uh, um, to be able to do that in. Uh, but, you know, we come into the room. And if I had a call, there's lots of times in between periods where my peers would be like, hey, why didn't we call that? Why wasn't that a hook? Why wasn't that a slash? Just because of the way the angles are. So I, I, I think it's, uh, I, I, you know, I'm glad to say that that's not the norm. Um, does it happen? Obviously it did. Uh, but but I'm, I'm glad to say that, that that's that's not the norm in our in our sport. And uh, and it wouldn't uh, it, I don't I don't think you'd ever see that in the National Hockey League. So two things that he brings up in the pod and in, in the two things that were raised that I want to just quickly ask you about one was sure. the first one is directives on the league to focus on something. So he tells this great story that the league had, had cracked down on something. I can't remember what it was. And his very first game after the directive 
he called Michael Jordan for doing that. And Phil Jackson came running onto the court after he called it and said, what the bleep are you doing? And he goes, what do you mean? What am I doing? I just got an email from the league saying you have to start enforcing this. And he goes, when the league tells you to do that, they mean it, but not on Michael Jordan, which I thought was hilarious. Mm -hmm. So yeah. does the league crack down on, you know, it's week 26 or whatever it is. Hey, start paying attention to high sticking, or we really want you to pay attention to hooking or, you know, something's gotten out of control, you know, all game, all refs start all officials, sorry, start looking at X more. Does that happen a lot or does it happen at all? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it happens a lot, but uh, the NHL just had a, uh, just had the general managers meetings. And uh, it, it is the, the great thing about this league in the NHL is I think uh, the general managers, they kind of dictate what uh, kind of game, um, you know, maybe not what the rules are, but, uh, but they dictate what they want uh, focused on. Like they, they just finished, um, they just finished the GM's meeting and, yep. uh, and the GM's meeting, I think they came out with, uh, um, they want to know why we have a rule uh, for distance traveled. Um, you know, when guys throw a big body check, why do you have to answer with a fight? Why yep. does there need to be a, a, an altercation right after? So the, the, the directive uh, came down from the NHL um, that, hey, listen, uh, we, want, uh, we want that penalty called. You have, uh, you know, you have the instigator rule. Uh, that, that instigator rule has been in the penalty, been in the rule book for a long time. Um, the GMs didn't think it was something that was needed to be focused on. So the directive wasn't to absolutely focus on it. But through, that, through the general manager's meetings, um, they agreed as a group. Um, to say, hey, listen, let's put a little bit more onus and focus on that. So yes, there, there, there are directives that come down from, from the higher ups uh, that say, hey, listen, we, we need to, we need to tighten this up a little bit. This might be kind of getting a little bit out of hand. Um, let's focus on this a little. And uh, um, you know, that that is uh, in a nutshell. I, I think that's like I hate to say it like this, but but officiating is almost like parenting. You know, like. These players are out there. They're great athletes. They're going to push the envelope. I, I, I tell my kids all the time, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Like you're going to try <laughs> to push the envelope as much as you possibly can. Find out where the line is. Find out what you can get away with and what you can't. I think that's a great player. Um, and that would be a great coach. I, I, if I was coaching, I would say the same thing. Where's this guy's line? Let's push the envelope until we know, okay, hey, listen, that's, that's what he's going to allow today. So now let's play to that line. And, and I think as an official, um, when we get a directive from the general managers, <laughs> it's their league, you know, it's, it's the player's league. And our job is to enforce the rules that they give us. We get a rule book. We don't make that rule book up, you know, um, player safety, uh, has a hand in making that rule book up. You know, the, I think it's a, the competitive the competition committee. They get together, they, they make the rules. Um, we enforce the rule book. So we're really at the end of the day, we're just enforcing the rules that they give us. And, uh, and I think that's a pretty good way to look at it. I don't care who wins and loses makes no difference to me. As long as the 15th and the 30th, that paycheck is in my bank account so I can take <laughs> care of my family. That's all I concerned myself with. <laughs> and I think, uh, and I think that's a real fair, you know, statement to make. We, we don't have a lot of guys that really care who wins and who loses games. Uh, we have a lot of guys who care that, uh, um, that they work the final game of the season and, uh, and they have a, a, a great career that they can take care of their family with. Well, that's a great entry to my to my next question on this one. And, and I promise I'm going to let you go quickly because you've been very yeah, kind no with worries. your time. So the other point in that in the in the uh, the Donahue podcast series is that the reason he was able to bet so successfully is that he knew which referees had it in for which players. So he knew. I'm going to pick on you, Vaughn, that if Vaughn Roddy yeah. was calling the Boston Bruins, he, his dad, Vaughn's dad hated the Boston Bruins. Vaughn hated the Boston Bruins. So Vaughn was going to call the game really tight against the Boston Bruins. Obviously in, in the other example, we were talking about basketball. Right. Is that a problem? Like, is that, is, you're saying it's not, no, your guys don't care. Clearly it was in basketball where there was bias. You're saying not an issue in hockey. Yeah, I think in this situation, um, you know, it's like anything. You uh, you have people that you get along with and that you respect, 
and you have people that um, that you you know um, don't understand why they behave a certain way. I think at the end of the game, as a pro, whether it be a player or an official, you have to be above that. And uh, I might be mad at you, Jonah. Like you and I might get into a real pissing contest on Friday. That's only when you pinch my kid and you didn't play him in those tournaments. But (laughs) we won't talk about that today, okay? Exactly. (laughs) But then, but on Saturday, when Von Rohde goes to the goes to the rink, uh, I owe it to the game to make sure that I, I look at you. We might even acknowledge that. I might even say to you, hey, Jonah, are we good today? And you'll be like, Vaughn, are we good today? Hey, man, we're good today. And, and we have enough professional respect to kind of go, yeah, we were mad at each other yesterday, but this is a new day, and we're going to see how this rolls. Now, do, do, you know, does human nature take over sometimes, and, and I might kind of focus on you a little bit more? Yeah, I, I would be lying to say that maybe that doesn't ever happen. But I, I think at the end of the day, as an official, that also would come to fruition. They would know if I was picking on somebody. I, I, I know I've been around this game for a long time, and I know that you don't get ahead by settling personal debts. You know, there's no vendettas out here. I, I, I look at this and I go, hey, this is a job. I am, I am, I've been given a great um, responsibility to, to to keep the game safe and to make it fair. And I would be doing myself and my family a disservice if, if I didn't respect that opportunity and, and keep it as safe and as fair as I possibly could. And I might have, uh, you know, a personal bias against somebody. There might be somebody that somebody said something or, or he did something, but if I can't get over that, then I shouldn't have left uh, the city of Winnipeg and I shouldn't be officiating in the national hockey league. All right, here, here's the softball ending question for you. Yeah. you. You can officiate any game. Which are the three players playing that you want to officiate? Oh, great question. Well, uh, officiate any game. Okay. I never got to. I never got to officiate. Uh, I never got to officiate Wayne Gretzky. Okay. And uh, and. Then if Wayne Gretzky was playing, he's probably my favorite player ever in the history of the National Hockey League. Um, I would like uh, I would like my son Bryson and my other son Owen to be playing against him. Okay. So I would like to officiate uh, those three probably my my two kids and uh, and Wayne Gretzky and uh, and then if I had to pick three NHL players, current it three would current be, uh, three current NHL players. Oh, three current. Okay. I would pick, um, good question here. Hang on. Give me a second. I'd pick, uh, Anze Kopitar. Okay. I just think he's a fantastic human being and, and just a, uh, a tremendous, uh, a tremendous player and human being. Um, I would pick, uh, I would pick, uh, uh, Connor McDavid just, uh, because of his skill set and, and, uh, and I'd like to see him blow by me at least one more time and make me look like <laughs> I, I thought I was a good skater. <laughs> and, uh, and then you mentioned him, uh, you mentioned him uh, before, I think uh, probably one of the, one of the uh, most kindest uh, human beings that I've ever had the pleasure of sharing the ice with is Mark Andre Fleury. And I'd like him to be in that because uh, I don't think there's a better human being. Well, Vaughn, I, I genuinely appreciate your time. I, I, I and my listeners are, are definitely better for it. You've answered so many questions that I have. I do say to a lot of people, I'd like to have you back, but I'm hoping that as the playoffs come up, either unfortunately or guaranteed, whichever you prefer, there will be officiating moments that I'd love to have you on quickly to get Vaughn's thoughts or Roddy's takes, whatever you want to call. Uh, hopefully yeah. you'll, you'll make yourself available. I think that'd be a lot of fun. He is Vaughn Roddy. Let's do it. You know him from the NHL. He did over a thousand games as an official. If you're in the Seattle area, he and his wife have an Amazon DSP business. So they're probably delivering your packages to your home. And if you've got children (laughs) who are learning, wanting to learn to play, uh, my two kids went to his hockey school. He does a phenomenal job. Uh, They do it the right way. Uh, They teach kids the right lessons to learn in sport. As he said, we parents have a 
tendency to screw things up and he's got the right principles and he's got the right ideas. Um, you've heard him talk about people being good people and Vaughn is one of them. Vaughn, thank you so much for doing it. And we hope to see you again soon in the press row. Oh, Jonah, my pleasure. Congratulations with what you've accomplished here. Uh, you uh, educate a lot of people, uh, a lot of different aspects, and uh, I'm uh, honored to uh, honored to be on your program today. And uh, we'll return anytime, my friend. Thanks, Vaughn. My direct messages are open on Twitter, and you can always reach me via email too. On Twitter, it's at YYZ Sports Media. Via email, it's Jonah at YYZSportsMedia.com. If you like this episode, please follow In the Press Row wherever you listen to your audio. If you want to advertise or be a guest, just let me know. Until next time, thanks for following. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.